0: Welcome to this week's podcast. Uh, We're going to be doing things a little bit different this week. Um, To start with, it's me, Andrew Sangster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst, opening up the show. And joining me in a moment will be Chris Bowen, our editor. Um, But we're going to try this week to uh, delve into what is the most shocking uh, and biggest event really to hit Europe since the Second World War and that of course is the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. Um, It is very early um, and far too early to say just how momentous this event is going to prove Um, but sadly we know already it's going to be the biggest humanitarian and political event since the Second World War. Um, The number of refugees is already uh, past through the two million mark, um, and the level of death and destruction um, in is just almost unimaginable. Um, you, you know, uh, it was, we have seen nothing like it in in Europe uh, since the Second World War. Uh, Chris, I think you, you uh, start off our report on this, and you, you took a look at uh, um, just what the immediate reactions were.
1: Sure yeah and this is obviously a very fast developing and changing situation as we speak but we are seeing a range of, uh, ever increasing it seems, a range of sanctions against Russia. Uh, more and more organisations are cutting off uh, their transaction activities with the country. Um, humanitarian issues uh, initiatives are developing. Uh, we've seen, a, you know, as you mentioned, a massive migration of Ukrainian people leaving and spreading into the uh, other nearby countries, particularly to the, the west of, uh, of, of the border. Um, Travel's been pretty much effectively cut between uh, the rest of the world and Russia and many other companies have followed Expedia who I think was one of the first in the travel sector to declare they were going to stop transacting across the Russian border. Uh, We've also seen the UNWTO meeting uh, to deliver what is uh, probably the first in their history of suspending Russia as one of their members, um, and then obviously lots of other impacts on travel companies, including, for example, TUI having to distance themselves from the, one of their major shareholders because he's a Russian oligarch. Uh, so lots and lots of impacts uh, and developing all the time.
0: Yeah, and it is to just your point, I in terms of the what the UNWTO are doing, it's uh, it's. It's the first time that's happened and we're seeing a whole whole range of uh, taboos being broken at the moment. Uh, uh, Germany is probably a, a, the, the biggest example, arguably one of the most important examples, with its commitment now to stepping up its defence spending. It's going to uh, meet the 2% threshold of GDP, which NATO has long called for. Um, it's spending 100 uh, billion euros on defence uh, Last year, it spent just 47 billion on defense, about 1.5% of its GDP. It's also shipping weapons directly to Ukraine um, anti tank weapons, surface to air missiles, and ammunition. Um, it's never done that before. And the EU, um, as a joint organization for the first time, is also engaging in uh, the shipping of weapons um, and sending lethal aid to Ukraine, worth around uh, 450 million million euros in terms of weapon transfers there so we're seeing a quite unique series of events uh, one after the other coming through here um Certainly in terms of the company withdrawals too, um, it's pretty dramatic. Uh, We've seen very quick uh, moves by uh, some in our sector, notably the OTAs, um, Airbnb, Expedia, you've mentioned, uh, Booking Holdings, they've all announced they're directly withdrawing. Uh, from Russia we're seeing some related to hospitality firms or at least firms with uh, professional services firms with connections to hospitality withdrawing um, mostly the, on the consulting side um, the, the, the big players in consulting the McKinsey's um, et al they've announced that they're pulling out uh, the accountants the big four accountants are certainly Deloitte's probably saying it's reviewing the situation and um, they they it gets more complicated for the accountants because they have some legal obligations in there um and indeed it gets more complicated for um hotel companies trying to withdraw that they have uh, legal obligations to owners they have moral obligations to the staff and guests um you know they have far more invested here than um say the otas who are able uh, more easily able to up sticks and um, leave the country so I think it's a trickier one but uh, the pressure is building uh, significantly on them to to exit uh, we only got to see at uh, the pressure that was put on Starbucks on McDonald's on cola uh, coke and PepsiCo um, to come out they've all um, um, decided that the best thing to do is to exit the country I think it's going to get harder and harder for the hoteliers to be in there despite you know the that they can make a, a strong case for for remaining there. So I um, this is a very different situation um um you know you're tempted to reflect and say maybe this is like IHG when it was in Tibet um but you know IHG had very good reasons for maintaining that presence in Tibet not the least of which was the potential of the Chinese markets um and how that and its entry into that market would be hugely damaged were it to withdraw. And I think uh, you know there's no such um sort of upside as it were um, um, for staying in in Russia this time around, um, not the least of which, nobody's going to get any be able to get their money out of Russia. I don't think uh, um, for quite a while, because I think these sanctions that we have are going to remain in place for a long while, even when the the the, the shooting has stopped, the shelling has stopped. Um, these sanctions are going to be remain in place for some time. I think there's only really um, a very significant regime change, not just the removal of Putin, but the removal of anybody who's Putin like. Um, in the Kremlin, that's the only point at which we're going to see a a real reversal in these sanctions. So, uh, uh, but, you know, I I think we're going to see them step up rather than um, you know um, just stand where they are at the moment. So I think we're going to see that um, picking up. Um, it, it, it's a very uh, fluid situation as, as you say Chris but I think perhaps it's worth just jumping on to you know what the the sector itself has been doing uh, in reaction to the crisis.
1: Yeah sure one of the things that the Covid pandemic has, has taught the sector uh, is that uh, we can certainly dive in Be creative and provide humanitarian assistance when it's needed and uh, once again a similar sort of thing is happening and I'm just going to point out not uniquely but one of the uh, initiatives uh, is is being led by uh, Michael Widman of uh, the consultants PKF who's actually got uh, relatives or had relatives uh, in Ukraine um, and has also some several team members uh, operating in uh, in Ukraine and he was struck by stories of people fleeing the country and the fact that you know these refugees when they got out into poland or other western european countries were simply exhausted from the the long many hours they spent traveling and in fact he he jumped in and helped one particular family uh, by making a few calls and um getting the team at uh, the Hilton in Budapest to accommodate them briefly after uh, I think it was about 72 hours of driving to get out of the country and um, he sort of from that has has built up something called hospitality helps where he's asked the rest of the uh the hospitality sector in the region see if they can provide some free accommodation just temporarily just to help people who are exhausted from the 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 actual physical effort of uh fleeing ukraine and trying to find somewhere safe for them and their families and uh, has been pulling in help from uh, hotels across uh, moldova romania hungary slovakia Czech Republic, Poland, Austria and Germany. The idea is just you know if if each each property could just provide one or two rooms a few rooms just for a few nights then that will make a massive difference for those who have had to really just flee with very little and no planning at all um, but perhaps can once they've drawn their breath in a a nice warm room and a decent bed had a couple of nights sleep they can draw breath and uh, plan what they're going to do next with a little bit more uh, of a straight head
0: these stories really bring home the horror of the situation and certainly LinkedIn at the moment is quite a mean social media in general um, I don't use much of the other bits of social media but uh, certainly LinkedIn is uh, is is truly um, moving actually the some of the the stories about people dying people losing colleagues um, it just really brings home the enormity of what we're currently going through i saw a little bit of this I wouldn't say firsthand, but uh, sort of the, 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 the impact of all of this. Um, I went to Sarajevo back in 2002. Um, my wife um, was then working, um, which well, is actually then my girlfriend, but she was then working uh, for the BBC and was helping to set up a public broadcasting service. And uh, she had the unenviable job of interviewing people. She's a psychologist and was interviewing people um, um, to try and bring together both sides all sides of the divide from croats bosnian muslims and serbs um, to try and create a public service broadcaster for for that region Um, and you know even this was as I say, 2002, the conflict there ended seven years prior to that, but even then, it was still very, very raw um very difficult. Um, and uh, you know, this is clearly going to, you know, the, the, that while that was a horrific conflict, it was on a much smaller scale relative to what we're seeing here. I mean, this is the second biggest country in Europe by land mass being invaded by the biggest country by land mass. Um, I mean it, 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 it is absolutely shocking Europe's biggest country in terms of population taking action like this is is, is deeply shocking and it's it's you know the the numbers involved are, are multiple of what went on in uh, in the former Yugoslavia but 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 reflecting back on that and seeing just how difficult it was to rebuild lives after this is uh, is deeply deeply moving I think and uh, um, quite horrible um, but moving on I think you know it, 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 you know our job as uh, writers about hotel investment and and the, the, the hospitality sector Chris is to to look at what what's going on there and uh, I think you you took a a few soundings in terms of what impact um, um, the invasion was going to have on performance in in in, in hotels. Sure. Yeah,
1: it's, it's early days, I think. But I spoke to Michael Grove at uh, HotStats, for example, and uh, I mean, he did point out, so uh, ironically, um, most of the rest of the world has has, has probably had little to do with uh, in terms of Russian uh, incoming visitors over the last couple of years because of the uh, effect of travel restrictions due to COVID. Um, so ironically, there's been very little, so there won't be much of a downturn due to the uh, the impact of of sanctions. Um, I mean, he was sort of uh, a bit more positive about the longer term. You know, yes, there's going to be a, a disruption. Yes, there's going to be a diminution in business in the short term. But uh, looking back, um, the hot stats show that uh, after previous regional conflicts, um, there may have been a dip in, in travel activity in the, in the short term term but a medium to longer term no fundamental change and and just as we're seeing off the back of the the covid pandemic people's behaviors tend to snap back and business tends to rebuild so um, perhaps some some a positive thought in the medium term once we've got over what is this great big shock for all of us
0: yeah, Morgan Stanley analysts, they looked at uh, the impact on share prices, travel and leisure share prices, well they're down about 5% so far um, since the start of the invasion, this is a similar level to of decline as that was seen during the 2003 Iraq war. Um, much less, it has to be said, um, than occurred in the nineteen ninety Gulf War when it was down nearly twenty percent. I mean, back then um, the the sector, the the overall economy went into a, into a recession um, in the early nineteen nineties, which which meant the the period of decline was much much longer. Um, in the case of two thousand and three, there was quite a sharp snapback um, with the in. In, you know in, within a few days, um, but nonetheless, in in both nineteen ninety and two thousand and three, travel and leisure underperformed the overall market. Um, I think the broader macroeconomic impact is going to be pretty dramatic and um, we took a look at a couple of uh, different uh, uh, London-based consultancies, the, the National Institute for Economic and Social Research, uh, they're seeing um, um, close to a recessionary situation next year. Um, obviously for Russia which is being hit by these sanctions uh, a very pronounced um, impact there Uh, probably less pronounced than um, kind of shock and awe um, headlines would have you believe about these economic sanctions it's it's damaging to russia sure but um i don't think it's damaging enough to cause them to make an about turn and given that russia is essentially a you know it's a giant oil well really um unless you turn that oil well off um you're not truly going to damage their economy um it's been hurt but uh Um, there's a certain cold calculus that Putin has made in terms of well actually you know I rather fear having a successful um, independent and democratic Ukraine on my border which is a real active threat to my my rule here in Russia Um, and he's sort of saying well yes we're taking some short-term pain here but better that than allow this this beacon to to continue existing so I, I think it's a very very cynical view and sadly i think what that means is that uh, it's not a question of you know putin doesn't need to win this war he can just inflict inflict a very heavy level of pain on on ukraine just to make clear that uh, you know that the the joining the west or joining with the west is is not a, a a great way forward so um but going back to the specifics of the economics um just looking at say the uk uh, the uh, Centre for Economic and Business Research in London they reckon that uh, the UK next year is going to be teetering on the edge of a recession um, it's going to the impact of this because of the, the high energy price um, is going to um, spike inflation significantly and this in turn sucks um, um, money from consumers and make it reduces consumer spending power and they said just how you know this is the worst uh, uh, damage to um, living standards since since records began and really you're, you're looking back again to the second world war to see a, a similar impact on living standards um, so those records go back to 1955 and this is by far the worst I mean their estimates of what we're going to go through are by far the worst since then um, Um, Since those records began, and as I say, they're the the sort of estimates which come close to what we're going through now is the Second World War, where it's something like a 17% hit. Um, Probably it's something like a 5% hit at the moment. Um, Obviously, these figures are going to fluctuate wildly. I mean, part of what really is going to impact this is what where energy prices go and I touched on that the only thing that's really going to hurt Russia is if we do stop uh, importing energy from them but eco, the other flip side of that of course is it does huge damage to European economies and there's a balance here because uh, Russia itself is going to be able to carry on selling uh, oil and gas, and it's just going to switch its pipelines from the west to the east. And China is already indicating that it's prepared to carry on being a, a client of of Russia. It will it extract very significant discounts from Russia, no doubt, because it's you know. Russia really doesn't have anywhere else to sell um, other than China um, and so really what the West risks if it does dive too deeply into these sanctions I think is a situation where it uh, uh, is effectively funding it's it's an even bigger threat to its values um, in China it's a much bigger economy Much, um, it's a stronger military as well, Um, and by switching from um, by by ramping up the sanctions on Russia, we're actually going to uh, uh, build up China. Um, So I think that is something that uh, I think we need to consider when we start shouting that we need to uh, to really ramp up these. You know, our hearts certainly want everything possible to be thrown at Russia, but um, our heads need to just stop and pause and think. Well, actually, we need to take a a a more balanced approach here and to be a little bit more careful um but it's difficult and you know this is a very very emotional time we've already remarked on um you know what we're seeing in social media um and i, th- I think you you looked at uh, you know some of the hoteliers experiences chris sure. um in your well yeah report. i mean we're
1: still getting used to the idea of uh, of, of sort of a conflict being reported social media as well as traditional media Um, and uh, in fact uh, I I did spot a couple of uh, people in the hotel sector active on uh, LinkedIn Um, one of them is the Hilton in Kiev a lady called Galina Petrenko who's been posting images of attacks on the city Uh, and also uh, David Moran the general manager of the Radisson Blue in Kiev he uh, told how his family had had to travel and uh, get out of the country and uh, um, in in common perhaps with uh, what what Michael Whitman was hearing uh, mentioned the fact that uh, prayers and thoughts are great but actually there was a real need for support for people fleeing the country as well as uh, for those who have opted to stay for now Um, One other really interesting aspect uh, that caught my eye on um, social media was the fact that uh, we're now actually seeing the opportunity for some enterprising individuals to deliver more in-depth News coverage, uh, real-life humanitarian coverage of what's actually going on, uh, rather than just the kind of sound bites that we perhaps might get from the news media. And in fact, there's a there's a chap I follow on uh, YouTube called Bald and Bankrupt. Well, that's not his name, but that's the name of his channel, Bald and Bankrupt. Uh, he actually went to the Ukrainian-Russian border the day before the invasion and reported from that, and then uh, subsequently reported on his own. Uh, escape from Kiev uh, on a refugee train um, and that particular video uh, which he put up eight days ago has already been watched by 5.4 million people so
0: wow, is that a yes British he's called Benjamin uh, he's it, British yeah. and uh, but he does uh,
1: speak a lot of um, Russian and a lot of the other languages from around there and has uh, for many many previous months been visiting all sorts of extraordinary places uh, in the east and is very good at explaining the history of of wherever he's visiting as well and uh, and because of he he can speak the local language he also gets into conversations with uh people he meets so uh, for example on his train journey out of uh, kiev he uh, had several conversations with with uh local people who were leaving and kind of got their views their thoughts on uh the necessity of leaving and also the kind of views on how they viewed their country versus the aggressor So, um, yeah, remarkable reporting and at a quite different level to what you typically get from uh, the uh, traditional news media.
0: Uh, one other macroeconomic e- effect which uh, we sort of touched on, uh, but it's worth emphasising again, is the increase in defence spending. And I think this is going to be significant in that it sucks money out of the, the wider consumer economy. If if we spend more on defence, we spend less elsewhere, um, and it, either we the, the government has to raise taxes or um, it borrows more and and stimulates inflation which has the same effect as um, uh, damaging um, consumer spending so and you know it's going to be quite pronounced i think this this increase in defense spending Uh, bank of america they um, some analysts there and a a report came out quite early on the 27th of february um, they looked at what the US is currently spending 2.8% of its GDP on defence and they reckon it's going to get close to 4%. We've already referenced Germany but I think across Europe um, there's going to have to be an increase in defence spending we're talking about that uh, in the UK as well I mean we're already at uh, 2% uh, one of the few European countries to be at that level um, but we're probably going to be spending even more in the years ahead and that that is also going to be having a negative overall macro economic effect not for defense companies obviously but elsewhere um, in the economy certainly Um, but uh, it it is unfortunately um, one of those things I think we're having to step up you know within the west now to defend our values defend our way of life and we're recognizing that actually um, we need to be spending a little bit more um, certainly in the medium term in terms of guns um, you know the butter offer which the EU has has been been very powerful Um, but the guns has been aspect of the uh, has been too too little Um, and uh, you know the butter bit has worked say for Serbia it was very interesting that Serbia which is in very close links to Russia um, that actually voted against Russia uh, at the UN, um, in in terms of condemning it for the invasion, it has supported Russia in terms of its opposed sanctions, but it's. Im- very symbolic, I think, that it what didn't join in with the likes of North Korea and Cuba in in opposing the UN resolution against uh, against Russia. In fact, it, and it voted in favour of that resolution. A marked contrast for countries like China, which abstained, or even India and South Africa, which also abstained. Abstained and Brazil abstained. Um, so I think that's quite a significant move there and it shows just and I think Serbia felt the need to to do that because it wants to keep on course in its attempts to try and join the EU and that's very so that's very important that that sort of butter element of of the EU's offer now what we've got to do within Europe is step up our spending on guns which is uh, an odd thing for a a sort of hospitality journalist to be talking about uh, I guess but uh, um, I think I think you know it, 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 it what makes the peace worth fighting for is the butter element ultimately um and we're the you know within hospitality you are a crucial element of that butter element um, we are that experience economy we are the bit that makes uh life worth living um we've, we've all missed travel and tourism in the last two years due to covid uh we're well aware of the hole it's left in our lives, um, and I think you know we can actually show just you know that our way of life is the it is worth um, fighting for, um, and travel and tourism can be part of that and demonstrating just how valuable you know what we have is and i think there's there's a new awareness of that now and we we're entering a new period in which uh, that's at the forefront and travel and tourism and hospitality are very much going to be um so as we
1: dream of a world where we can once again travel peacefully safely and easily we'll say goodbye for now